And good morning. You're listening to America's Web Radio. Welcome to the prologue. My name is Doug Dahlgren. Now, I'm one of the newer members here of the team at America's Web Radio. My program is a book review, but it actually it's a whole lot more than that. It's an introduction to the book and also its creator. Now, we're going to do something just a, a little bit different here this morning. Uh, I've been able to hear on this network a bunch of political opinions shared by a bunch of different people. Now, that's good, and it's all very healthy. I want to tell you, you won't hear any of that sort of thing on the prologue, not normally, not when I have a guest on here, because really that's not what the show's about. But I'm a human being. I watch the news. I read some newspapers. Now, admittedly, that's becoming problematic as time goes by. Newspapers are getting where you can't hardly trust them. So I do have my own opinions about what's going on. Now, I thought I'd take this opportunity this morning to kind of introduce myself, not just as a writer or a host here on America's Web Radio, but more about who I am and, and how I think. Now, you might agree with me, you might not, but here we go. At this stage of my life, as I said, I am a writer. I'm also a part-time talk show host. I was a working stiff, a businessman, and a contractor for some 35 years prior to this. Now, most of that time, I was doing two things at once, so it was a rather busy, busy life. Now, in my retirement, I have eight books in print and also in Kindle. I find that I enjoy meeting my readers, and I really enjoy introducing to you folks other writers and sometimes just plain interesting people through this medium of Internet radio. Today marks the sixth edition of my show here on America's Web Radio. Now, I'm very new here, although I have been interviewing writers about every week for a year and a half or so. So I've been around the block on this a little bit. The show here is called The Prologue because that is what it is. It's an introduction and hopefully a hook. The idea is to get you interested in that writer's book. Now, so far we've introduced you to five authors that you probably haven't heard of before. And we're going to get back to that next week, I promise you. If you've missed any of the first five, you can go to the archives for the prologue here on the America's Web Radio website. And you can dial up and listen to all of the shows as many times as you like, and we encourage you to do that. But today, I plan to do something a little bit different, and I'll tell you why. Harper Lee wasn't available to be a guest today, or really any day for that matter. As you've likely heard, she has a new book out. It's called Ghost Set a Watchman. Now, there's a great deal of talk, talk that has changed its tune in recent days about this supposed sequel, though written slightly before, the highly acclaimed To Kill a Mockingbird. The original Pulitzer Prize winner has been hailed by critics worldwide for well over 50 years. I saw a listing somewhere not too long ago stating that of the three things that everyone should read before they die, To Kill a Mockingbird was number one. The Bible was number two. 
anticipation was great when the rumors of this novel first came to light because, of course, Miss Lee's only other work was, in fact, that Pulitzer Prize winner for literature. But now, excerpts from the new book showing a change in the iconic character of Atticus Fitch might well alter the definition of literature. It seems the character Atticus has apparently grown to be a racist. Now, the question from this book, written at the same time by the same author, is, will it be marginalized and condemned because of the portrayal of a fictional character? Harper Lee may have unwittingly brought to light the great intolerance of the artistic left, and in that process exposed how they judge works of literature as well as other things. Was To Kill a Mockingbird praised for its writing or for the stance taken by the character? The prize was supposed to be about literature. Will it be interesting to see how the world judges this new work? Indeed it will. In fact, it's already begun. Now, in my interviews with new authors, the political content of their book is really not what matters, and I don't go there unless, of course, it totally outweighs any other aspect of the story, and I've yet to have that happen. I've interviewed those who are on the right and the left. It's the book that really counts. My books offer opinions as expressed by the characters, and I'm thinking my books, the ones that I've written, offer opinions. I leave it to the reader to decide and choose whether they like what those opinions are. Now, my personal feelings and opinions run very strongly conservative. I'm not a Republican, nor am I a Libertarian. What I am is a conservative American. Now, why do I call myself a conservative? That particular label defines, I guess, best defines the association that I have with any other label. For instance... When a conservative sees a need, they ask, what can I do? And then they jump in and try to help those who are in need. Liberals see the same need and ask, what can I do to make others help? Can I put a show on, or can I ask others to contribute, or can I get a tax started so that I can feel better? Now, you may agree. Agree or disagree, but that's kind of what I see happening. Conservatives also believe in the rights of others. Now, does that mean that they always agree with others? No. But they maintain and defend the right of others to their opinion. We have always had, just recently, that agreeing has been considered going along with the rights of others. It's kind of hard to talk about this because it, it is kind of scary the way things are going. The liberal side has clearly demonstrated in recent events that they're not just satisfied with moral victories for their cause. They seek the total destruction of those who dare to disagree. So that whole idea of defending those who disagree with us, that freedom of speech idea, seems to be evaporating from our culture. Now, why do I say Republicans are not necessarily conservatives? 
Conservatives believe in laws. Many Republicans tell us today that we must ignore the law because there are others who will not like us if we enforce our law. If any one Republican speaks out against that idea, they are demonized by so-called fellow Republicans. The results have been confusion, and a lot of people say today uh, many are fearful of how to speak their mind. In other words, we, we don't talk about it. Intimidation runs strong through social media and even at the coffee houses and the churches. Public speakers are often shouted down for noncompliance to a particular cause. Tolerance, or rather intolerance, is the weapon of choice for many these days. Now, we're a people who brag about our right to free speech, but today, too many of us fear using it. It might offend someone. I believe that runs counter to who we are, or perhaps who we were, and who we should be. Now, with the rest of this program, I want to bring up and offer my take on some issues that are currently in the news. Granted, it'll be one-sided. There won't be any opposing voice screaming over what I have to say, and there'll be no argument in this hour. Fair and balanced shouting matches that obscure the discussion will be left to the TV stations. This is my turn. You're listening to the prologue. My name is Doug Dahlgren, and the first topic we have to talk about today is the presidential candidates. Now, there's currently five individuals running for the 2016 Democratic presidential nomination. On the Republican side, there are 33. You hadn't heard about all of them. Sixteen of those are people you're aware of, but there are actually 33 declared candidates on the Republican side. And there are four others, as of yesterday, that are in the wings waiting to be potential candidates. Now, while I said I am not a Republican, but rather an American conservative, I'm often asked and teased about the number of people running on the Republican ticket. It does give the appearance of a three-ring circus, uh, perhaps without the rings, yet if you seriously understand how the conservative mind works, it makes more sense. Conservatives, in this case Republicans, are not like their Democratic counterparts. They don't walk in lockstep over any issue. There's no Pied Piper calling the agenda that must be followed. In fact, they go out of their way to offer their own reasoned and thoroughly considered take on just about any subject offered. There's an old joke that kind of explains this the best. It says that if any seven Republicans were put in a room with only one door out and that room were let on fire, they'd all die, arguing over which was the best way to get out of the door. Now, the folks on the left find that funny. Many of us have other ideas, and we find it frustrating. But why are we the way we are? Conservatives, for the most part, are self-starters, self-motivated, independent thinkers. Many are business people and at all levels and all types of business. But they're used to making critical split-second decisions many times throughout their day. The sad thing is, as pointed out 
in the joke about the room being on fire, their differences are usually rather minor, and yet through the egos involved, they override logic. So here's the answer. It's quite simple. Just get all the Republicans to see where they agree. But is it that simple? Today's field is very, very complicated. Not all of today's Republicans are conservatives. Perhaps they used to be. They worked hard for many years trying to do the right thing at first. And now they face a public that's tired of failure. And they seek only to win at all costs. They tell us that to win we must be more sensitive to those who do not agree with us. That we must abandon the beliefs and principles that our country was founded upon. That we must ignore the laws that offend certain groups because we need their vote. Granted, the times have changed and people have changed. Our people are less engaged in the things that should matter and much more engrossed with social media, video games, and selfies. We're going to continue with this and a whole lot more on America's Web Radio right after these messages. From Doug Dahlgren, an action series that grabs you and won't let go. Four members of Congress all die within months. Each death appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary war heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search uncovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun, Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren, in Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key and the trained staff at EHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And we are back. You are listening to America's Web Radio. My name is Doug Dahlgren. This show is the prologue, and normally we would have a guest bringing you their new book and introducing that book and the writer to you. This morning, we're going a little different route. We're going to try to introduce you to your host. 
as I said earlier, uh, there's a lot of opinions that are going around, and there's quite a number of opinions that I hear here. And because I do not go into opinions, particularly political opinions, on the radio show as norm, I wanted to be sure I introduced myself to you and a little bit about how I think. So if that doesn't matter, it doesn't. But uh, hopefully you'll enjoy this, and either you'll agree or you'll disagree. Now, we were talking a few minutes ago about the Republican field of candidates for the 2016 election, how many there are and the jokes that are being made and the attacks back and forth. Um, again, part of the problem as we finished up the first quarter, a lot of the problem today is that the people of this country are not really engaged. Uh, they're, they're more interested in texting and media and going to the movies and things of that nature. So our leadership has decided that in order for them to get their due, and by leadership I mean those in power in the Republican Party, that the party has to change its philosophy. Now, in doing that, they attack conservatives and religious groups. Yes, they do. As being a drag on party ambitions with antiquated principles. Now, those attacks include tactics that are formally left up to the leftists in this country. Polite discussions are no longer allowed. If you disagree with allowing illegal immigration you're accused of hating all immigrants. If you have a moral or a religious objection to abortion, well, you simply want to control a woman's body. Now, the terrifying thing about these tactics is that they are real and that they work. And they're being used by people who call themselves Republicans. Now, the defense, the defense they use is always that we must gain the votes of those we, in, we alienate with our principles. There's a whole lot of reasons I don't go along with that, but I ask you whether you agree with me or if you agree with the establishment. Do people climb fences and swim rivers? Do they leave others behind and risk their very lives to come to this country for the dreams of changing everything here? I don't think so. I think they come here to be a part of what we are historically, and yet we're led to believe that we must change all of that in order to gain their support. Now, was it freedom from anyone disagreeing with you that they came here for? I don't think that existed. It's starting to exist today. It was rather freedom of choice and opportunity that they sought, two precious things that we're allowing to be redefined by the left. Now, we were once a country of laws, not of men, as we were all taught, some of us anyway. Those laws were declared to be of, for, and by the people. Today we have men who tell us that our laws that were by the people are no longer fair. We're told by the courts that long-standing law is no longer relevant. We're told that laws do not actually mean what they say, but are interpreted to fit a social agenda completely counter to what we believe and what the long-standing law states. 
we have a Supreme Court justice who admittedly counters the Constitution. He swore to defend and protect in an effort to make his court appear more open and caring. He rules by what he feels was intended, not by what was written. Now, laws, our laws, were intended as mutually agreed to rules for the benefit and safety of all of us. These last seven years have taught many of us the importance of elections and who we place in the position to enforce and keep our laws as they're written. When our laws are ignored and other administrative actions are put into place without the legal consent of our elected Congress, everything is thrown into peril. I think we've all seen that. The people no longer respect laws because the interpretation or implementation of those laws no longer gives them standing. Those we hire and pay to protect us and enforce our laws at the local level are suddenly in danger. They second-guess their obligations and the support that they have from the community. They slow down in self-protection. And the country as a whole slips into chaos. Okay, so maybe I make this sound very, very dire. That could be so. But this is what is happening to us. And the question this election cycle is very clear. Do we want more of the same or even worse? Do we want more of the same with different faces and different names? The faces and names that swore to change that which was wrong but in reality only seek to be in charge of it. Those same faces and names will tell you that we lost the last major election, speaking of 2012, because of right-wing conservatives and religious zealots who didn't turn out to vote for Mitt Romney. As a matter of fact, it's those same right-wing conservatives and religious zealots that the establishment Republicans told to shut up and go home during the campaign, that they were hurting the cause. Now, was the turnout low in November of 2012? Indeed, it was. But I want to offer you this as an opinion of perhaps why. Now, Mitt Romney had the election won, and again, this is my opinion. You're welcome to your own. But I believe the gentleman had the election won until the evening of October 16th of 2012. It was on that night that the public watched as Candy Crowley the supposed moderator of the debate with Barack Obama, injected herself into the discussion of the administration's behavior directly after the Benghazi murders. The world saw her step up and incorrectly defend Obama's claim of using the term terrorist right after the attack. He had not. Everyone who had watched the news reports knew this. Even those reports on the dishonest outlets, those who fill the air with propaganda rather than truth that doesn't fit their agenda. For at that time, it was important to the re-election of Obama and his administration that the public believed the attack was a spontaneous reaction to a video, a video that really never existed. That's what was put out and the word terrorist was initially avoided. 
It was later admitted that all they really wanted to do was fool a majority of the public for two months, long enough to get past the election. With the help of the media, they succeeded. Now, in the middle of all this, Candy Crowley went even further in the media's defense of the administration. Those who saw this blatant interference and misinformation by the moderator were turned off by what they saw. They were turned off, but in my opinion, I suggest something else registered with them even more that night. They saw the Republican candidate, Mitt Romney, at this very crucial minute, standing dead still, a deer in headlights, and he said nothing. He showed the world and the American people in that instance that he lacked the fortitude to stand up to even that and that he possibly lacked the fortitude to be our commander-in-chief. Now, people didn't vote against him, but many simply stayed home, and some of that was in disgust and frustration. The establishment elites will again try to tell us which candidate should represent us. They and the media will again try to choose someone who fits their agenda. Vote for who you wish, but consider all things, including that our highly praised VP candidate back in 2012 most recently told voters to shut up and that they would hear what was in the trade bill after they passed it. Now, we expect such as that from a Nancy Pelosi, but we did not expect it from a leader like Paul Ryan. Elections are important, and we elect who we elect is more important. Don't discount the candidate who's criticized for saying what you actually believe in. Now, I don't want to make this a uh, thing about Donald Trump necessarily, but I want to state a little something here for you to consider. Donald Trump has thrown his hat in the ring. There's been a lot said as far as for what his former allegiances were, who he supported in the past, who he gave money to, and all of this sort of thing. I want to tell you this morning that that has nothing to do with the criticisms and the reason that he is being so viciously attacked. Donald Trump is described as a buffoon, a blowhard, and a populist fool. John McCain said recently that he stirred up the crazies. I want you to just wait just a second here. Donald Trump may or may not be the right man for that top job. What I hear from our mainstream media and the established Republicans is nothing more than the tactic formerly reserved for the left. Personal attacks that are attempting to destroy a message that they don't want you to hear. Now, our personal or professional political class in this country will tell you that he's wrong for the country. But I wonder, where did we find the professional politicians in 1776? They didn't exist back then, and perhaps we shouldn't be relying on them now. So as you watch the news reports and you hear all these vicious things said about Donald Trump or anybody else who speaks what you really believe in, consider that. I don't listen as much as I used to, but 
similar things were said initially about a gentleman named Rush Limbaugh. Now, he's made a huge career and a huge name for himself by simply saying what people think. And that's been attacked now for many, many years. Because what we think is not what we are supposed to react on. We're supposed to react on the intimidation and the intolerance that the left throws at us. So when you hear these criticisms, remember from where they come. And we're going to be back with a little bit more after these messages. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. From Doug Dahlgren, an action series that grabs you and won't let go. Four members of Congress all die within months. Each death appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead Revolutionary War heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search uncovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun, Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren, in Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. My name is Dr. Jeff Terry from Mobile, Alabama. I love taking care of my patients and not computers. That is why I need your help. On October 1st, the government will mandate that I implement the new ICD-10 coding system, and if not able to do so, then I will be put out of business and my patients will have to find a new physician. Please call and write your congressmen and senators today and tell them no to ICD-10. Tell them physicians need a grace period in order to concentrate on you, the patient, and not the computer. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And good morning again. My name is Doug Dahlgren. You are listening to America's Web Radio. My show is called The Prologue. Normally at this hour we would have a guest with a new book. Uh, We're doing a little something different this morning. We are introducing you to me. Uh, This is the sixth program that we've been able to have here uh, on the station, and I wanted to take the opportunity to kind of let you know a little bit more about me. I am a writer. You heard one of my commercials just there in in the little break. We do have eight books that are available to you. Six of those are a series. I'm rather proud of it. The people that read them are very, very... uh, (laughs) I just lost a word. I'm a writer, and I just lost a word. The people that read the books love the books. They tell me so in emails and reviews that you can find on Amazon. But at any rate... I hope that you'll take a minute when we're done here today and look them up. I also want you to know that I'm kind of uh, exercising uh, my right to free speech here this morning, and it's something that I intentionally and willfully hold back on the show. When I'm interviewing writers, there's no politics involved in it. 
The writer may be from the left. The writer may be from the right. And unless their book is overwhelmingly about that subject, politics is not discussed. It is the value of their book, how good, how entertaining that book is. And these are people that you don't know about yet. These are people that you haven't heard of before. Now, there's five interviews of these types of authors and books that are already in the archive section at America's Web Radio. Go to the prologue. We're listed on Friday mornings at 11, and you can find the prologue and you can find those archives, and they allow you to listen at your own pace to the interviews that we've already done. And next week we're going to get back to that particular job with a book and a gentleman that you are going to love to know about. So I hope you'll be back with us at that point. Now, this morning we've been kind of talking about me and my opinions. And, again, this isn't uh, one of those shows where you see and can tell when a fact is being brought up. Because on TV, if a fact is being brought up, it's recognizable by the other person beginning to shout and try to overwhelm that fact so that you don't hear it. That really is kind of what TV and fair and balanced is becoming these days, is two people shouting over each other so that you can't hear anything. Well, this morning there's not going to be any of that. I'm going to be allowed to say what I believe, and then you can agree or disagree on your own. Um, I do have a email address, which is Doug at DougDahlgren.com. I invite you to use that, particularly if you or anybody you know out there is a writer who would like to come on and be interviewed on the show. If you have some comments about today, well, you're welcome to do that as well. Again, that email is Doug at DougDahlgren.com. Now, before the break, we were discussing elections and candidates and that sort of thing. And uh, I've got a little bit more to say about that. In 2014, the nation spoke up rather clearly. They put the party in opposition to this president in charge of both the House and the Senate. Now, the message of the voters was very, very clear. Now, I want everybody out there to just take a real deep breath, sit back, and look at what has happened since then. I'm not going to catalog it for you. You all know we have lived through a very, very tough time. Things are happening fast, and they're happening against what we all knew and grew up thinking of this country. Where is our House? Where is our Senate? We elected them to act, and all that we've gotten so far are endless and fruitless committee meetings and a few fundraising letters. Is this really what we expected to happen? I don't think so. Now, a bit about these congressional meetings. Darrell Issa conducted meetings on just about everything that were hot-button issues. It seems like his meetings have gone on for something like 47 years. It's maybe a bit of an exaggeration, but the point is, what did he accomplish? What actually came of all that time and effort and pontification from Daryl Issa. Nothing. Some could conclude that there was really no desire to prove or to solve anything. Now, today, the emphasis has shifted to a gentleman I had high hopes of, Mr. Trey Gowdy. And yet, 
where are we with Trey Gowdy? In, in, in my opinion, the leadership of the Republican Party has no interest or intention of finding out any truth or fixing anything, be it Obamacare, Benghazi, whatever. These committees are marking time and raising money. They're accomplishing absolutely nothing. As for the Obamacare stonewall, it's obvious that the Republicans desire not to stop this monstrous drain on our health care system, but rather they hope to be in charge of it one day. Now, I understand that business is important to the country and that Republicans tend to favor business and making money. But there are lines that should not be crossed. They're crossing them. The Trade Act is one. Those men voted for that thing have come out now with all types of excuses as to why they supported this. And yet, I don't believe any of them actually read the bill prior to voting for it. It's not what we sent them up there for. If they read it and they approved of it, then that's one thing. Come and tell us why. But they didn't. It was some two weeks before David Perdue, our new senator here in Georgia, had anything to say about it. In fact, in his letter to supporters of July 4th, which was after his vote, he didn't mention the trade bill. He had not yet been able to find what it was he would use as his excuse for doing so. Now, other things that kind of blur the issues and, and kind of cross those lines and make it difficult makes it difficult for Americans to understand what's going on. The immigration issue blurs those lines and has become probably the most divisive, divisive, the most divisive issue that we face as a country today. Immigration. And I said earlier you're not allowed to be against illegal immigration in a political discussion about this subject. It's simply not allowed. Any objection is immediately labeled racist, and the objector is said to be against all immigrants. But not here, and not today. The term illegal means something. A person is not illegal because you don't like them. Being of a different color doesn't make a person illegal. Breaking the law does. Coming into this country without proper visa is illegal. Or should I more accurately say it used to be? While the laws have not been changed, we've, de we've developed a rather peculiar look-the-other-way attitude in the case of certain illegal immigrants. And I said certain illegal immigrants. Our businesses, labor-intensive businesses, need labor. Labor no longer available through homegrown citizens. Now, I myself have relatives who operate large farms. They would disagree with me on this. The uh, discussion would not be very long because there's really not a whole lot to discuss. But they operate very big farms in South Georgia, and they need labor. No one can dispute that. There's no local folks left for whatever the reasons. May it be the education system, may it be drugs, may it be whatever. But they don't have people to draw from in this country to do that work. So they close their eyes to the fact that some of these people are not registered properly. 
because they need to get the crops out of the ground. Now, Republicans are sympathetic to that because there's money involved, and a lot of these farms and big businesses that are associated with them support their causes, support them personally. So the Republicans tend to look the other way on illegals, where the left looks the other way because for some reason unknown to me, the Hispanics tend to vote Democratic. Now, what the left has ever done for them, I don't know. But the fact remains, we have both sides of the political spectrum who are telling us that, again, in certain cases, we have to ignore the term illegal. And how do they do that? Well, they pretend that that term has no meaning, that it doesn't exist. As silly as that sounds, that, that, that's exactly what's been going on. And so for generations now, we've ignored our own laws for the sakes of votes, workers, and simply just convenience. This is a very serious problem, but the main reason for the discussion is that all the leaders on both sides still want those laws to be intact so they can use them against other immigrants that they don't want here. Think about that. An argument against illegals that really bothers me the most is the one that says you cannot deport 12 million people. That's thrown up in our faces all the time. Now, the truth is you could. It might take some time and be expensive, but it's not the point. Deportation really isn't necessary. The illegals are here. They're working. They're working at plants and businesses that know that their employees are here illegally. Now, several targeted arrests and maybe some heavy fines against these employers, and that problem would cure itself. The illegal workers would leave quite on their own. Now, this wouldn't hurt business, or it would hurt business, I'm sorry. And I understand, and I'm not saying that I believe these leaders would ever do that. But perhaps we need more leaders, different leaders. Just recognize, if you would, when you're being lied to, particularly with this upcoming election season. Ask your congressmen, ask your senators what their position is on this, and take into consideration that they have lied to us before and are likely to do that again. We're getting ready to go into uh, another break, but I want to bring up real short something tragic that happened yesterday. The Chattanooga shootings, uh, there's still a lot that we need to know, but I think we know a lot enough to understand that we have been attacked again in our home by a Muslim extremist. Now, at what point, if ever at all, will you hear this president call it that? He goes through a great deal of contortions, he and his minions go through verbal and physical contortions trying to keep from admitting that we've been attacked by a Muslim extremist. If he were to write the history, he will record in future dates that there really never was a problem with Muslims while he was in office. That is what he intends to have as the record. And what he does is clear. Our question about it all is this. 
Is that ideological denial on his part? Or is it traitorous sympathy? Rather heavy question, and again, I leave that for you to decide for yourself. We have four dead Marines. Another thing that strikes me is this gun-free zone. I do not understand why the young men we train to protect us are told they cannot carry their weapons on a military base. We'll be back with more in just a few minutes. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. My name is Dr. Jeff Terry from Mobile, Alabama. I love taking care of my patients and not computers. That is why I need your help. On October 1st, the government will mandate that I implement the new ICD-10 coding system, and if not able to do so, then I will be put out of business and my patients will have to find a new physician. Please call and write your congressmen and senators today and tell them no to ICD-10. Tell them physicians need a grace period in order to concentrate on you, the patient, and not the computer. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And good morning again. You're listening to The Prologue. My name is Doug Dahlgren. We're here on America's Web Radio. We're doing something a little different this morning. We've been talking about uh, my opinions, uh, opinions that do not come up when we're doing the book reviews or the introductions to books and writers that we normally do on this show. But after hearing weeks of uh, other folks uh, with opinions that uh, cover the gamut, cover both sides, um, I wanted to take this opportunity this morning to introduce myself to you and and where I come from and to really emphasize that those types of things are important, but they're not important to what I do on a weekly basis as far as bringing you literature. And I want everyone out there to understand that. Now, we've been talking about a bunch of things. I am a conservative. I'm not a Republican. And as a conservative, just coincidentally, I also am a Christian, and I'm one of those that believes very sincerely that Christianity is under assault today, and there's a reason for it. I'm from the baby boom generation. Uh, My parents took me to church. The mistake they made, and I'm speaking kind of generationally here, is that they did not manage to instill in all of us, that's the boomers, that going to church was also a responsibility to support and to maintain the church. Most of us were really allowed to just go and enjoy the fellowship and the outings and the trips and the beautiful buildings that our parents worked hard to pay for and to keep going. Now, as the generations grew up and our parents were no longer in position or able to support the churches 
memberships dwindled because my wife gets tired of hearing me say this, but a lot of people in our generation look at those responsibilities and say, that's not my job. Mom and Dad always did that. You may or may not agree, and I know there are exceptions, but a lot of cases that's really what it boils down to. This generation is quite selfish, and we see that in a lot of things. We see that in the way our kids have been raised. We were given a lot, and given that by parents who had gone through very much and decided that our lives were going to be better. So now instead of really totally understanding and respecting that, a lot of us in the baby boom generation, as our children came along, we said, now wait a minute, I don't have to give up everything that I enjoy and what I'm doing just because I've got kids. I have a right to my life. I have a right to live the way I want to. So the kids were given things to stay out of their way. They were ignored in many cases. And that's a whole other hour to go into what's happened through those effects. But also a casualty in all this has been the churches. The churches are losing membership in droves. Now, some time ago, in an effort to shore up those losses, many of the churches tried to appeal to those who didn't necessarily agree with them. Does that sound familiar to you? It should. The churches brought in rock music, and they instilled no dress codes for the Sunday services. Has this worked? I dare say it hasn't. What does work is the original message. When a church or a pastor has the courage to actually use it. But in their current weak state, churches churches have become the targets of the left. The totalitarian government cannot allow for the competition that our churches provide to them. And we'll say very bluntly, in their opinion, the churches must be destroyed. Do you think I'm kidding you? Do you think I'm way over the top of this? I want you to watch very closely as to how the government uses its power, particularly in some of the recent Supreme Court decisions, as to how they wield its power over churches that do not wish to respect and, in their terms, uphold gay marriage. You will see a targeting of the tax-exempt status of these churches. Once that starts it pretty much be all over with, unless the citizenry steps forward and stops it. While we're speaking of things in that level, I want to kind of bring up Planned Parenthood. That's in the news. That's pretty clear what's going on there. No matter what side of the abortion argument that you happen to come down on, it's been obvious to really everybody for quite some time that Planned Parenthood is in a business and that is the business that they are in, is abortion. In the latest news, we're asked to ignore our lying eyes and even our lying ears. One of the highest officers of the corporation is caught on videotape and audiotape explaining how they sell tissues and body parts at a profit. Again, 
you will be told that this is not true. In fact, we're already being told, but the video and the tape on TV says very clearly. So this today and that will not settle the argument. It's much too deep. It's much too emotional. And there's way too much money and power involved. So uh, just watching and listening to the verbal gymnastics on the left is uh, really going to be comical and frightening. But I hope that you'll remember what's going on. Last thing I want to bring up, and we've got just a few minutes to do so, is Iran and our future. And we've all been watching this circus over the negotiations for a nuclear deal. That deal is now history, and the survivors will be left to judge it. Now, what do we know about that deal? Well, we know that many of the provisions that we promised that we would have are not really in there. There are too many to go over, and if you think that I'm kind of just avoiding that, I'm not. I'm just not going to go through every one. But the administration has become so unconcerned with the truth or unconcerned with being caught in a lie that they don't even care about the videotapes of the promises that were made then, even as short ago as April and May, to the realities of what are happening now. And in several cases, they even come out now and deny that you're hearing what you're hearing in those month-old tapes. Now, Mr. Obama was determined to have a deal. That is clear. There was going to be an Obama nuclear trade deal, no matter what. That's what he wanted, and that's what he was out for. His deal is, and I'm not just trying to be silly, his deal is the moral equivalent of walking on a sidewalk across the street from Christy Brinkley's house until she comes out and then walking in concert with her on opposite sides of the street and then going to all your friends and telling everybody that you had a date. Now, the media folks, those at ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, they're all going to hail and continue to hail this great Obama victory and how it saved us from having to go to war with Iran. I think that's false claim. As Ronald Reagan showed us a number of years ago, you don't really have to go to war with them. You just have to be willing to do so. And what we have shown the world in the last seven years is that we are absolutely not willing to do so. That's a mistake. Strength through power does not have to be used, and yet we are not showing strength. We're showing weakness. While the world tries to prepare for the fallout that will come from this, literally from this mess, the rest of us have to just wait and hope that Israel will not go alone. We have clearly left them out on a limb. American Jews continue to support Obama and Democrats at home. That's amazing to me. But their home country, Israel, is now at a crossroads where they will have to make a decision. Do they wait until they are attacked, or what do they do? And the answer to that question could be very, very important to the entire world.
not just that region. Last thing I want to touch on is the Confederate flag. This is really sad and silly at the same time. Whatever you feel about the flag, the flag had nothing to do with what happened in Charleston, South Carolina. The reaction by South Carolina's governor, Haley, is nothing less than pure political pandering. I'm not going to go into any more about it, but that's really what it amounted to. And as you all know, pandering usually doesn't satisfy anybody. So now, as this hour ends, I hope that you've enjoyed it a little bit. Maybe you've agreed with me. Maybe you haven't. You're welcome to express your opinions at Doug at DougDalgren.com. And again, we'll be here next week with a gentleman with a very interesting book about the Civil War. I hope you will join me at that time. Now, if you are a writer, or if you know someone who is a writer, I hope you will use that same email address, Doug, at DougDalgren.com, to reach out and let me know about yourself, the book, and we'll see about getting you scheduled for a future program. Again, Today was me. Today was opinion. Today was politics. We don't do that on the prologue. The prologue is about the book. It's about the work. So I ask you again, consider mine. Go to Amazon and look them up and be with us again next week. I hope that you'll do that. This is America's Web Radio. My name is Doug Dahlgren, and I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you so much for listening today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.